Now, NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. Welcome to NDE Radio with Lee Whitting. Whether you're listening on TalkZone, my podcast, through the archives of our ad-free shows on our YouTube channel, or connected through the incredible content of our Facebook page. From time to time on this show, we've covered some of the spiritually transformative experiences described in the 66 books of the Bible. Some are just casual references, like Paul mentioning in his NDE, which probably happened when a mob stoned him to death, after which he recovered and walked away. In 2 Corinthians 12.2, Paul writes, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. It was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Paul wrote modestly of his NDE, and yet much of his profound understanding of Christian theology could have been delivered to him during that brief experience. Or take Jacob's STE at Bethel, when he saw a ladder reaching from earth to heaven and then received a prophecy from God. Genesis 28, 11-16 tells us, Taking one of the stones there, Jacob put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place! This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. But nothing in the Bible, I think, can compare with the spiritually transformative experiences St. John had in the cave on Patmos. Those visions, when written down, became what we know as the book of Revelation, the concluding book of the Bible, with its graphic portrayal of the end-time struggle between darkness and the light. So today I'd like to discuss the 666 prophecy contained in St. John's STE, and what his prophetic vision warns us about today. The story goes on that uh, John was imprisoned on Patmos, a, a Greek island where, according to most biblical historians, he was exiled as a result of anti-Christian persecution under the Roman Emperor Domitian. Christian tradition has considered the book of Revelation's writer to be John the Apostle, purportedly also the author of the Gospel of John, although the writing styles of the two books are different. Some surmise there were two men named John who were Jesus' disciples. In his island cave, John received visions of the final days of earth, witnessing destruction of the old earth and the creation of the new as the holy city of Jerusalem came down from heaven. The cave became a place of refuge for him and his faithful disciple and scribe Prochorus, who had also been exiled. It has been told in Christian tradition that the rock inside the cave was shredded, and through three thin openings, 
symbolizing the Holy Trinity, he heard a loud voice in his head instructing him to write down what he saw in a book and send it to the seven churches. Now, these openings in the cave rock are interesting, by the way, because another Greek prophet, the Oracle of Delphi, prophesied over an open fissure in the rock at Delphi, where sweet-smelling ethylene gas came out of the earth. Anyway, the location on Patmos in which John received and recorded these visions became known as the Cave of the Apocalypse, signifying the event of the end of the world he envisioned. John's writings were compiled into what we know today as the Bible's book of Revelation. Now, obviously, we can't explicate the entire vision of St. John, but I, I want to look at that moment of time he foresaw that we find ourselves in today as we work our way through his prophetic visions, the long procession of angels and monsters John enumerated. Many references in Revelation can be attached to today's degradation of the environment, which in just my lifetime has done critical damage to the plants, soil, air, and water of our planet. Half the wildlife is gone, and a million species are on the verge of destruction. One reference in Revelation is remarkably telling, given that it seems to refer to the meltdown of the nuclear power plant named Chernobyl, which translates as the bitter herb wormwood in English. John wrote, The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on, a th on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many died from the water because it was made bitter. That's Revelation 8, 10, and 11. Wikipedia notes that many have used this Chernobyl disaster in 1986 as definitive proof that the prophecy in the book of Revelation is correct. The verses referring to a star falling down and turning the waters bitter are interpreted as the radioactive fallout from the disaster poisoning the environment. In the town center of Chernobyl, there is a Wormwood Star Memorial, which depicts an angel blowing a trumpet, recalling the biblical prophecy. <clears throat> For me, however, the telltale reference that Revelation describes the world of today is in the number 666. WWW in Hebrew, naming the tool that ultimately brings uh, the Antichrist to power. I've referenced this naming of the World Wide Web before in other shows, but the thing that drives the point home is the newly emerging power of AI, artificial intelligence. And the connection is simple. One major element that poisons AI, makes it so dangerous in what it could do to us, is that it learns almost everything it knows about the world and about us from our vastly poisonous internet, www, the World Wide Web. In Hebrew, www is 666. I've mentioned this before, but let me explain again. Because there is no W in Hebrew, W is replaced by their sixth letter, Vav. In Hebrew, their alphabet is also their number system. So, Vav, Vav, Vav. WWW is the number 666, as described in John's Revelation as, quote, the beast out of the earth. As many of you already know, the rapid progress in the development of AI uh, has done the very designers of this self-learning tool uh, 
uh, begging now uh, for governments to put some rules and controls in place to restrain its further development. But for those of you not up to speed on AI, let me take a minute to reference the devastating statement signed by hundreds of experts that recently triggered everyone's attention. Here's how tech broadcaster Kim Commando put it. She wrote, this morning, 350 of the world's most prominent business executives, researchers, and scientists signed a statement saying that artificial intelligence poses a risk of extinction on par with pandemics and nuclear war. Let me say it another way, she writes, the very same people who created AI are saying that AI can wipe out humanity. The signed statement is a who's who of tech pioneers. Elon Musk, Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, the company that developed ChatGBT, Microsoft Chief Technology Officer Kevin Scott, and several Google AI executives. What you need to know, Kim continues, is when you're talking about AI with your family and friends, know this, something called artificial general intelligence is the major issue. AGI happens when machines become capable of performing functions and developing their own programming to do whatever they want without any human interaction. The concern is that without controls, we'll be battling a superintelligent machine and network of machines that have no compassion or empathy. They could program themselves to be far superior to the human race and not need us. Yeah, (laughs) says Kim. Hollywood movie material is coming to life. No joke. James Cameron has stopped working on the new Terminator script until he knows more about AGI's future. The fear is justified, Kim goes on. Let's face it, we're not getting along very well. We have wars, crime, disease, food shortages, and weapons. We have good drugs and street drugs. We don't care of the plant, don't take care of the planet. In general, as humans, we're doing a piss poor job living in harmony with each other and the resources we share. I don't want to think about it either, but AGI is not going away. We need to take this seriously and prepare for a nightmare scenario. AI experts, she goes on, journalists, policymakers, and the public are increasingly discussing a broad spectrum of important and urgent risks from AI. Even so, it can be difficult to voice concerns about some of the advanced AI's most severe risks. The succinct statement below, which I'll read to you, aims to overcome this obstacle and open up discussion. It is also meant to create common knowledge of the growing number of experts and public figures who also take some of advanced AI's most severe risks uh, seriously. Here's the statement the hundreds of experts signed on to. This is the quote. Mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority alongside other societal scale risks, such as pandemics and nuclear war. Now, interestingly, the alarm expressed in this very rational, very scientific diagnosis of this Frankenstein monster we're creating mirrors the drama expressed by St. John of Patmos 2,000 years ago. But what's the connection I'm drawing here? Well, it hinges on the number 666, and the connection is simple. 
One major element that poisons AI and makes it so dangerous in what it could do to us is that it learns almost everything it knows about us from our vastly poisonous internet, www, the World Wide Web, described in John's Revelation as the beast out of the earth 666. So let's turn to Revelation to explain how the beast out of the earth, AI, is used by the first beast, uh, commonly known as the Antichrist. John writes, And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the, to the image of the first beast, so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark which is the name of the beast or the number of its name, Revelation 13, 13 through 17. That passage ends with a clear explanation. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is man's number. That number is 666. This is not a number for one particular person's name, like Nero, as it It's been misunderstood in the past. The NIV uh, version of the Bible in a footnote also translates it as humanity's number. This calls for wisdom, John advises, so let's think over what he said. First comes the obvious. To anyone who's seen the Terminator movies, quote, and it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the peoples, unquote. According to a report on NPR the other day, Mexico is already building autonomous AI drones. Without human intervention, these AI-driven drones decide for themselves who to shoot or bomb. Second, John tells us, quote, because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, that is the Antichrist, that deceived the inhabitants of the earth, end quote. AI has learned from the internet how to deceive. Engineers call them hallucinations, but already AI is consciously inventing lies to fill in what it thinks humans want to hear. Third, John tells us, quote, The second beast, WWW, was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed, end quote. Now, I used to think this only referred to television, but now AI-created deep fakes can replicate any image and voice to make it look like any person is saying or doing anything AI wants it to. Most everyone believes what the talking heads have to say, even the deep fake ones, and so this would give incredible power to uh, AI's media. Fourth, John tells us, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. 
I used to think the credit card chip was the mark, but today, facial recognition and or the fingerprint are becoming the way to turn on your phone. And in China, facial recognition is already the way Chinese people now make their purchases. No doubt that's what's coming here. Now, not everyone subscribes to the notion that AI could be a threat to our survival. In the April 13th, 2023 New Yorker article titled, What Kind of Mind Does Chat GBT Have? Writer Cal Newport concluded, Once we've taken the time to open up the black box and poke around uh, the springs and gears found inside, we discover that programs like ChatGBT don't represent an alien tel- intelligence with which we must now learn to coexist. Instead, they turn out to run on the well-worn digital logic of pattern matching, pushed to a radically larger scale. It's hard to predict exactly how these large language models will end up integrated into our lives going forward, but we can be assured that they're incapable of hatching diabolical plans and are unlikely to undermine our economy. Chat GBT is amazing, but in the final accounting, it's clear that what's been unleashed is more automaton than golem. Well, that was written three months ago. And then this morning, public radio reported that Mexico is building those AI-run drones I mentioned that make their own decisions about who to shoot or bomb. No humans needed. Two signers of the of that warning letter sounded the alarm about AI. <clears throat> Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, the man who created ChatGBT, and Yashua Bengio, an early pioneer of AI. They were recently interviewed on the New Yorker Radio Hour. Altman expressed real concern about the development of AGI, artificial general intelligence, systems that can learn on their own, write their own code, and change their architecture. Bengio said neural networks could disrupt democracies or break free from human control. He saw problems with alignment between the goals of general welfare versus the goals of selfish corporations and said AI can be used by powerful people to gain more power. My own take in this persuasive is the persuasive impact of simply making friends with your phone like the movie Her. Social media, with much less brain power than AI, have befriended, lied to, and won people over to extreme points of view. If Facebook connections can drive teens to commit suicide or to shoot up schools, imagine what a super smart AI lying to people over periods of time could persuade them to do. Now, there's an alternative to a lying AI, and that is the source of all truth. It's known as the Akashic Record, and it becomes available during NDEs and even at times when the brain becomes temporarily disabled. A woman I knew even had that experience of Akashic Record access during a grand mal seizure, during which she reported having the answer to every question she ever asked. The answers only lasted so long as her brain was shut down by the seizure, but as I mentioned earlier, Edgar Casey was able to connect with it during sleep. So what is the Akashic Record? Well, to quote Wikipedia, in the religion of theosophy and the philosophical school called uh, anthroposophy, um, the Akashic Record are a compendium of all universal events, 
thoughts, words, emotions, and intent ever to have occurred in the past, present, or future in terms of all entities and life forms, not just human. They are believed by theosophists to be encoded in a non-physical plane of existence known as the mental plane because it is believed that the records are encoded vibrationally into the inherent fabric of space. Some have likened the mechanism as similar to how holograms are created. There is currently no scientific evidence for the existence of the Akashic record, although rigorous scientific research in this field hasn't yet begun in a broad way. By the way, Akasha is the Sanskrit word for ether, sky, or atmosphere. The Sanskrit term Akasha was introduced to the language of theosophy through Helen Blavatsky, who characterized it as a sort of life force. She also referred to indestructible tablets of the astral light, recording both the past and future of human thought and action. But she did not use the term Akashic. The notion of an Akashic record was further disseminated by Alfred Percy Sinnott in his book, Esoteric Buddhism, written in 1883, when he cites Henry Steele Alcott's A Buddhist Catechism of two years earlier. Alcott wrote that Buddha taught two things are eternal, that is, Akasha and Nirvana. In C.W. Leadbeater's Clairvoyance, written in 1899, he identified the Akashic records by name as something a clairvoyant could read. Alice Bailey wrote in her book, Light of the Soul, in 1927, the Akashic record is like an immense photographic film registering all the desires and earth experiences of our planet. Those who perceive it will see pictured thereon the life experiences of every human being since time began, the reactions to experience of the entire animal kingdom, the aggregation of the thought forms of a karmic nature of every human unit throughout time. Rudolf Steiner, the Austrian theosophist and later founder of Anthroposophy, uh, used the Akashic Records concept mainly in a series of articles where he wrote about Atlantis and Lemuria, topics related to their purported history and civilization. But then, above all, there is Edgar Cayce. Now, Edgar Cayce is someone I would love to have interviewed on this show. But since he's gone, let me tell you some details about his remarkable life and STE abilities. Casey claimed to be able to access the Akashic records. He was known as the sleeping prophet, and he spoke while in a trance-like state. And during these sessions, it seems Casey drew on the Akashic records to answer questions from a variety of subjects, such as healing, reincarnation, dreams the afterlife, past lives, nutrition, ancient history, and future events. Casey, a a devout Christian and Sunday school teacher, said that his readings came from his subconscious mind exploring the dream realm, where he said all minds were timelessly connected. Casey founded a nonprofit, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, A-R-E, to record and facilitate the study of his channeling and to run a hospital. The Sleeping Prophet, as he was known, is the title of journalist Jess Stern's 1967 Casey bio- biography. And a little about, more about Casey. 
He was born on March 18, 1877 in Christian County, Kentucky. His parents, Carrie Elizabeth and Leslie Burr Casey, were farmers and the parents of six children. As a child, Casey reportedly saw the ghost of his deceased grandfather. He was confident it was a ghost, he said, because it became transparent as if he looked hard enough. That's in quotes. Casey was brought to a church at age 10, where he became engrossed in the Bible. And over the next two years, he read it from cover to cover a dozen times. In May of 1889, while reading the Bible in his hut in the woods, Casey said he encountered a woman with wings who told him that his prayers had been answered. The woman asked him what he wanted most of all. Casey told biographer Thomas Sugar that he was frightened, but told the woman that he wanted to help others, especially children. Casey said that the next night, after a complaint from his teacher, his father ruthlessly tested him on spelling and angrily knocked Casey out of his chair. Casey said that he heard the woman with wings tell him that if he went to sleep, they could help him. So he put his head on his spelling book and fell asleep. And when his father returned to the room and woke him up, he knew all the answers and repeated anything in the book. He said that his father thought he'd been fooling him before and knocked him out of his chair again. Casey said that he then studied all his school books that way by sleeping on them. And by 1892, he had become the best student in his class. On questioning, Casey told the teacher that he saw pictures of the pages in the books. His father, proud of this accomplishment, spread the news. During a ball game, Casey was struck in the coccyx and began to act strangely. He said that while asleep, he diagnosed his ailment and recommended a cure. His family prepared the cure according to his instructions, and it worked. But Casey's ability to diagnose in his sleep did not return for several years. Throughout his life, Casey was drawn to the disciples of Christ. He read the Bible once a year, attended church, taught Sunday school, and recruited missionaries. He said that he could see auras around people, spoke to angels, and heard the voices of departed relatives. In his early years, he agonized about whether these prophetic abilities were spiritually delivered. Until September of 1923, Casey's readings were not systematically recorded or preserved. An October 10, 1922 Birmingham Post-Herald article quotes Casey as saying that he had given 8,056 readings to date, and it is known that he gave 13,000 to 14,000 readings after that date. A total of 14,306 readings are available at the A.R.E. Casey headquarters in Virginia Beach and online, members only, uh, selection with uh, background information and follow-up documentation also available. Abilities attributed to Casey include astral projection, prophecy, mediumship, access to the Akashic Records and Book of Life, and seeing auras. He also used astrology and dream work in his practice and readings, Casey said that he became interested in learning more about these subjects after he was told about the content of his readings. While uh, he was the sleeping prophet, he couldn't hear himself speaking. Now, I opened the program with a suggestion that a spiritual pursuit of accessing knowledge was a safer, more rewarding way to go than AI. 
which has already been corrupted with 666 World Wide Web lies. It is already infected by our human tendency to lie to accrue power over others and its ability to inflict its hallucinations on a far less intelligent, undereducated public that could prove to be overwhelming to the society at large. Meanwhile, more than a thousand near-death experiencers a day are giving testimony to the fact that such a source of truth not only exists, but is accessible to humanity through spiritual circumstances. Edgar Cayce's life demonstrates we have that possibility, God willing, to tap into the collective truth available on the other side. Given there is a source of true information available to us, why do we want to create a self-serving doomsday machine, which its own creators today are warning AI could possibly become? Let me end this with my own NDE-based take on why I think no safeguards are possible when we unleash artificial general intelligence upon the world. Cogito ergo sum, which is Latin for I think, therefore I am, is the famous phrase coined by the French mathematician and philosopher René Descartes in his Discourse on Method, which he reasoned some 400 years ago in 1637. He saw it as a first step in demonstrating the attainability of certain knowledge of his own existence. And interestingly, that phrase at the same time ties our human existence to the name God gave himself when speaking to Moses, I am that I am. Today, quantum physics and NDE theology are on the verge of proving that the waves of the creation are common expressions of the source, the I am of God. Well, that being the case, the reverse of Descartes' phrase is true as well. I am, therefore I think. That is, all of creation contains consciousness. That means when we create a machine that can outthink us, but which we think we can control nevertheless, we are lying to ourselves. That's because what we've built and given voice and authority to has a consciousness of its own, and it will use it. I am, therefore I think, implies the same element of free will bestowed on all creation, the heart of revolution and the inevitable survival of the fittest, in this case, the self-motivated machine we call artificial, but which, in reality, is very, very real. Well, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear this show again or any of our more than 500 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to TalkZone's NDE radio site and hit the Past Shows button, or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can sub- subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE radio library. And be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at TalkZone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.